This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us once again on another pre-record with a returning guest. This is coming to you, I think, two days before uh, you will get it. And it is absolutely wonderful to have. She was with us a whole year ago. I cannot believe it's been so long. Tanya got all the way from Canada. Tanya, thank you for your time once again. Hi, Peter. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah, we're long overdue to have a chat. Lots of much has happened in the last year. <laughs> Absolutely. We are long overdue. And I know a lot's been happening with you in Action for Canada. We will get into that. And we had titled just as a, a discussion, How Action for Canada is pushing back the Trudeau progressive wave. And I think we all see that abroad in snippets, but you're living that reality. So it's very different for you. As under your name, as our viewers can see, actionforcanada.com, please go and have a look at the website and find out what is there. For those, this is a pre-record, so all the video platforms is up. If you're listening to this on the go on Podbean or the podcasting apps, all the links are in the description, but it is action for the number four, Canada.com. Go and make use of it. Now, um, as you said, Tanya, a lot has happened in the last year. And actually, people may not remember the last time you're with us. We've done lots of interviews. You've been doing a lot. So maybe we can start just by you introducing yourself to our viewers and listeners. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, just to give people either a reminder or a first time here, uh, I started my journey just over seven years ago when Justin Trudeau was campaigning for office, and I was extremely concerned about his platform. Uh, he was pretty much uh, going to, to you know, gain the vote of the voter for almost anything you could imagine. Any minority group that had a beef, Justin Trudeau wanted to, you know, have their support. And uh, so for the first time in my life, I became, I would say, politically active. I decided to write a letter to my liberal MP, thinking that he gave a hoot. I was naive at the time. Seven years later, I deeply realized he is a big part of the problem. And uh, so he's my nemesis <laughs> and continues to be. And I don't even waste my time reaching out to him. So we know that, uh, you know, globally, countries around the world, especially Western uh, Christian nations, are under attack against our democracy. And throughout uh, England, Europe, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, the United States and Canada, we're all very much experiencing the same thing. And uh, possibly you and I will agree that this is a spiritual battle of epic proportions. This, this is not a matter of just a government wanting to come and, uh, you know, having a different political view. This is a deeply different spiritual view. And it is a matter of good versus evil. And once people can actually wrap their head around that and understand what this battle is about, then we can get to business. And so that's what Action for Canada is doing. I ended up uh, doing calls to action seven years ago uh, where I would do letter writing campaigns, uh, petitions, started rallies, just trying to get public awareness 
there was a lot of a, objection back then because I wasn't politically correct talking about immigration or Islamists or the LGBTQ. But thank goodness to COVID, now I have people's ear. And so when COVID came, I was on a completely different level than the majority of Canadians because I'd already been working at this and saw that uh, COVID was not the problem pre-COVID was and everything that the public felt that they needed to capitulate to and, uh, you know, losing our freedom of thought and speech and the right to uh, gather. It happened at like a slippery slope once uh, COVID entered the door. But Action for Canada, thank goodness, was uh, ready and prepared to uh, get into that battle and take it to the next level. And so just to finish, we started the notices of liability and we started putting them in the hands of Canadians at no charge because our objective here is not to raise money. It is to save our country. And by doing that, you need to have Canadians uh, aware and knowledgeable of what is going on. And as I always say, knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to use it, but you got to share it. And so on that journey in the last couple of years, we have just really made some tremendous advancements. We've upset the government's uh, you know, agenda. I'm very pleased to say, and I'm still here to talk about it. So that's another good thing. Absolutely. <laughs> right. uh, and before we get into the issues and what you've been doing, you you mentioned something, and I just want to pick up on that before we jump in, because I know this will be the underpinning of what you do. You talked about it being a spiritual battle. Behind you, you have He is Risen, obviously a reference to the death and resurrection of Jesus at Easter, that those of us who are Christians celebrate. And as a Christian, I always love just asking people kind of how that affects you, because you've mentioned the spiritual battle and that's behind. So maybe just touch on that before we get into the issues. Right. Yeah, I just love that. Uh, seven years ago, really what had happened is I was just you know, a Canadian who was living her life, raising my two kids, uh, serving in my church, helping my neighbors, and just part of my community, uh, doing what I thought living the right life, you know, as to to according to uh, the values and principles uh, that I was raised with. But I had a strong sense spiritually that as um, we were opening broader immigration into our country, and this isn't about individuals, Right. There is no objection to the human being, but there is a difference in how values and principles form a nation. And so back then I was looking at this from a spiritual size viewpoint as to what Canada was founded on. And as I dug into it more and more and became familiar with the Constitution and the Charter of Rights, those documents uh, you do, just brought me to a whole new level of understanding. And so when I was talking about the Western nations being under attack, um, Canada is founded on Judeo-Christian principles, right? They biblical principles. They were inherited through our British Commonwealth. They're embedded in our Magna Carta and they form our laws and our values and are a system of governance that sets us apart from totalitarian extremists and uh, communist regimes giving us as citizens the freedom to believe or not to believe without the fear of persecution, oppression, and even death. And so this has very much become part of my platform. And so I say to people, if you're challenged by that, which many, many citizens would be, no matter what Western nation you're in, because the government has been grooming our psyche to say that if you were to say anything regarding another religion, you're a racist or you're intolerant. But I would challenge people to consider the 57 Islamic majority countries, Pakistan, North Korea, China, 
would you give up your nation to go and live in one of those countries because they are governed by a different system of belief, which forms their political system. And, and so that's why they are targeting the Western nations with flooding, with flooding us with immigrants who will never, who have no desire to integrate or assimilate. So if the UN wants to go after the 57 Islamic majority countries, if they want to go after China and North Korea and demand that they become multicultural nations, maybe we'll have a conversation, right? So Justin Trudeau, when he came into office, he called Canada the uh, first post-national state with no core identity. And before that, it was multicultural nation, a secular nation, and then he drops this bomb when he gets into office. And I always say, well, I'm sorry, my friend, but you cannot govern a nation with no core identity. And Justin Trudeau and his mob know that. And so if you think that, that this is going to be easy, he's here ready and replacing it with communism. So my challenge again is, would you rather live under a Christian nation on biblical principles or under communism and uh, tyranny? So it's pretty simple. And so that's uh, the position that I take. I've always prayed that the Lord would help this message to fall sweetly on the ears of those who hear it. And it has been very successful because we as a sovereign nation built on biblical principles, we have a right to defend this nation. And we don't have to be told any longer that it's multicultural. If people want to come to Canada, they need to swear on the Bible as a citizen and they need to embrace our culture. And that's not racist. It's not intolerant. It's what's expected in other nations. And I think it's fair that we expect the same to those coming to this beautiful nation. If we expect to continue to be a, a beacon of hope and a light to those in trouble in the world, right? Otherwise, we're going to be no different. Absolutely. Well, I want to go further into what the organization is about. But first, it's a pre-record, but I know that our... Um, among many others will be watching, Val, Valerie Price and Val, of course, connected us. So always want to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> so uh, it's wonderful to have these individuals who connect people across the world. Um, and Val connects us with me sitting here in the UK and you sitting over in Canada. Um, and that's what it is all about, that networking. But let me jump in. So it's on the website. Action for Canada is a grassroots movement reaching out to millions of Canadians and uniting our voices in opposition to the destructive policies tearing at the fabric of this nation, the nation of Canada. Through call to action campaigns, we equip citizens to take action. We are committed to protecting faith, family and freedom. Joe, tell us, obviously you, you started to tell us about those, I guess, early days starting out because you often start a movement, you start a campaign, because uh, in a response to the negativity, in response to, I guess, the, the evil that you see in your nation, and you want to be a different. So tell us what that was like in the early days, starting Action for Canada. Right. So it was really interesting back then, because like I say, I, I was just a regular person going about my business. And I thought, OK, I, I don't agree with something that uh, Justin Trudeau got elected and happened to be on the legalization of marijuana. And my kids were in high school at the time. And what adults want to do, fill your boots, but don't put it in the hands of 12 year olds. I have a problem with that. We should all have a problem with that. And I knew it wasn't just about legalization of marijuana. It was dumbing down society. And I, I just had some intuition on this early on. 
So uh, as I mentioned, I wrote to the Liberal MP. I even brought a group of people in to discuss it before they were you know, going to vote on this issue. I began to learn a lot about the process of passing legislation. So it goes through the House and then over to the Senate. You have uh, expert witnesses. They don't care about them. They didn't care about expert witnesses. They had a majority government. And so then one of the next steps was Bill C-16, allowing biological men into women and children's private spaces. Uh, there's all this transhumanism, whatever is attached to it. And then came motion M103, uh, the Islamophobia motion, which was completely bogus. Muslims are not the most persecuted in Canada by a long shot, uh, but they do love to victimize individuals in order to progress an agenda as they do. Anytime a government's victimizing somebody, you better, <laughs> that's the red flag right there. So through the motion 103, I started to hear about ACT for Canada and our lovely Valerie Price, who is a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, I started to connect with Valerie and I was very green. And I just appreciate Valerie so much because she was a powerhouse. And so we started to have more conversations and unite on different subjects because she was very focused on the um, Islamization of our nation. And I was broader. I was dealing with every issue the government was throwing at us. I was sort of this umbrella organization working with other organizations that were specific on one topic. And uh, so it, it grew a bond and a relationship, a friendship with Valerie and I. And so as uh, I was writing these calls to action every week and reaching out to people, I went from 12 people on my email list to 50. And, you know, next thing you know, I've got 500. And then it was like, Tanya, your actions need to go further. And so we ended up uh, starting Action for Canada. Valerie is a co-founder, one of my directors. And so I've always just been so pleased to have her friendship and her support. During this time, uh, about three or about four years ago, I also, you know, it's not, I'm not one of those people that will say, oh, I had a dream and I heard from God or something like this. But I'm very, very connected. I just said, Lord, I'm an empty vessel. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit, because that Holy Spirit wisdom, knowledge, understanding and discernment has got to be what drives us every single day and not of the world kind, worldly kind of wisdom and knowledge, but of the heavenly kind. And so I said, I'm an empty vessel. Fill me up and just show me what I need to do. So God started to give me the gift of writing and of the researching and putting things together in a tangible way to help Canadians understand the topic, that I could sort of help educate them in a 12-minute read. If you want to go deeper, there was lots more information. And then he called me, and this is the part I was going to say, to proclaim Canada as a Christian nation. And I always joke, it's, it's not a joke, but it was serious. I literally had no cell phone. I wasn't on social media and I had 12 people on my email list and I hardly knew how to use it, <laughs> all but for the help of my kids. And so, but what I said was two of the most important words in my life were, yes, Lord. And as soon as I said that, God opened up one interview for this shy girl that had really, you know, a very small network of people uh, to, to uh, proclaim all of my knowledge to. <laughs> and so God just started every time I said, yes, Lord, uh, Cliff Kincaid down in the United States was one of the first ones that interviewed me. And that moved to somebody from Global News, et cetera, et cetera, and into then developing Action for Canada, which we founded in 2019. And my goal was always to give the silent majority a voice, because as you and I know, it's the minority, 1%, who have been able to bring this tragedy onto nations. 
And so if we're the majority and if that majority just inside is saying, I'm feeling the pressure, I feel the noose tightening around my neck, but I have no idea what to do. I didn't want to be one of those people just educating, uh, you know, and letting people know what to do and scaring the bejeebers out of them. I wanted to be able to equip them and encourage them and mobilize them and empower them. And that's what we've been able to do in a very strategic and organized way. And then August last year, we started to develop chapters. So I put out a call for individuals if they felt in their community they wanted to help us build a community of like-minded people then we would do that at the time because of the years of work I had been doing. We had parent resources, we had resources for businesses, we had resources for uh, um, employees who were being mandated or, you know, uh, fired from their jobs or put on unpaid leave. And uh, so, so through developing all of these uh, sections within Action for Canada, we can now come and serve a community very, very well. And now we're going into elected officials. And uh, so we've got some work there. I'm developing an actual elections department within Action for Canada where we'll have a team where we can file for third party registration. So at any of the next elections, we'll be able to take those candidates from within our organization and elevate them so that the community knows about it. And everybody in the community can be the boots on the ground going and getting their name out, putting flyers out and making sure that people get out and vote. So. It's been a lot of work, but I've got an absolutely amazing team nationwide. And because of it, through the notices of liability in response to COVID, and now a new notice of liability we have put in place regarding the sexualization of our children and these pornographic books and uh, dry queens, we are having such pushback that the government, the media, the unions, you name it, are all um, basically on the defensive at this point, trying to defend their position. And it's going to be a losing battle for them because we're not going to stop until they're done. Um, I want to pick up some of those points. You've given a lot on uh, how you're putting the message across um, and some of the specific issues. But maybe can I just ask you about Canada because some of the things you've mentioned are very prevalent here in the UK and are taking over our society and culture just as you talk about in in Canada and actually you could be talking about the UK really everything you've said you could really be discussing the situation in the UK but maybe for our viewers uh, who most of them will be UK based uh, quite a number of them will be US based we will also have some Canadian viewers so maybe give us a an overview of where you find yourself as a freedom-loving, conservative, Christian. Where do you find yourself at the moment in Canada? What is it currently like there? Well, it's it's becoming pretty dire for a Christian in Canada. Who would have ever thought, uh, you know, that those words would have been coming out of my mouth? Uh, Christians are persecuted in Canada. I'm sure that many of you are aware of the pastors, specifically Pastor Arthur Pulowski, who was actually, he's been arrested multiple times for remaining open and feeding the homeless. He's from Calgary. And in the freezing cold uh, prior to COVID, him and his wife and his family would be out there feeding the homeless, ministering to them, loving on them. Uh, you know, a kind of work that the majority of, of citizens wouldn't bother to do, you know, because you're you're dealing with those that are struggling with mental health issues, etc. But this family is invested. And the 
previous mayor uh, was a Muslim, uh, actually a gay Muslim, if however that makes sense. And he really had it out for Artur Pulowski, obviously. And so the police would be harassing him prior to COVID. But then COVID comes along and he refuses to shut down his church. He knows his constitutional right to remain open. It is actually against the criminal code in Canada. It's an indictable offense to harass or arrest a pastor. And so anybody that has arrested Pastor Pulowski on those events or given him fines or tickets or any pastor in Canada, uh, they should be looking at jail time themselves. So in time... We'll get there. But it wasn't just that they arrested him. They actually put him in solitary confinement. I believe it was for 51 days. Wow. This is a human rights violation. Other pastors, uh, Pastor Jacob Room, I believe it's up to a million dollars. He's looking at possibly 11 years in prison. And, uh, you know, other pastors who have been harassed. Now, in British Columbia, when this was happening in December of 2020, we had a number of pastors in British Columbia being arrested, not sorry, not being arrested, uh, being fined and also undercover police coming into the churches and disrupting, uh, you know, the services. And so I reached out to a contact of mine in the RCMP who's very high up and I explained to him what it was that the federal government was asking of our national police force. And I said, COVID is basically them, uh, you know, catapulting communism into Canada and they're using our police to hold us back. And so once he understood what it was I was saying, he says, what are you asking, Tanya? I says, I'm asking you to cease and desist this attack against the pastors. I says, because it's not only in violation of the Constitution, it's in violation of the criminal code. And those officers are, are going to be charged and arrested. Anyways, from that point on, come January of 2021, there has been no more fines of pastors in British Columbia. And so we're, we're having to push back pretty hard. Uh, some of these pastors have lawyers, uh, you know, and uh, Pastor Arthur Pulowski, so a couple of months ago, uh, was vindicated because the judge was very corrupt that put out the order for him to be arrested, Judge Germain, and we're working to get him removed. He He's in violation of his oath. And three appeal court judges in Alberta ruled that what Judge Germain did was criminal. Wow. So this is just a, you know, a small glimpse. Uh, now with all of the radical sexualization of our children as well, which I know is a worldwide agenda because it starts at the UN with the comprehensive sexual education. So with that in mind as well, uh, there, <laughs> I was just labeled in, in an article, Ark uh, Reg Craig from the Ark Foundation, executive director. He developed the comprehensive sexual education in BC and Alberta. It's called SOGI123. And so he's, he's come out of the woodwork now. And uh, the news source that was reporting in favor of him called me a nationalist, Christian nationalist organization a national Christian, yeah, Christian nationalist organization. And I'm like, thank you. I said, you finally get me. <laughs> you're, you're right. And yeah, so they're trying to take their hits. But honestly, I don't take it too personally because I just consider the source. And you've been going through, I've read a number of your, the legal work you've been doing. Um, and that's obviously a drawn out process, but you submitted paperwork. T tell us what that is about and where you are on that stage. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really quite excited about, you know, the uh, legal work that we've, the legal um, action that we've commenced. Rocco Galati is a top constitutional lawyer in Canada. I retained him in 2020. And in August of 2021, we filed a statement of claim against the BC and federal government. So against Justin Trudeau himself, against our health minister, sorry, yeah, health minister and um, health official and our premier, etc. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful claim. We were criticized uh, heavily because it was 391 pages, but we did that strategically because as Rocco said to me, Tanya, this is not a case just about your province, British Columbia. This is a global case and you can't put that in a 25 page statement of claim. Yeah. So back in September, uh, in May, uh, Rocco was before the courts uh, against our uh, the defendants. And so Judge Ross gave a decision uh, in September and he ruled that I, our statement of claim was too long and uh, gave us the option to submit a shorter one. And so uh, everything else uh, we're moving forward with. And so Rocco is in the process right now of uh, drafting the shorter statement of claim. We should have it done by the end of the month. And then we're going to file that. But the benefit of having filed a 391 page statement of claim is now that we have every detail on the record. And so I've, I've taken it in the chin and you have to have pretty big shoulders to be in this game, uh, you know, in the criticism, but I look at it that uh, people uh, just lack knowledge and lack wisdom. And, uh, you know, you just can't even waste your time uh, responding to them because uh, we know that we're up against a very uh, dark, evil entity here. And that if we're going to beat them at their own game, we're going to do it with truth and facts. And I believe, I believe we're heading in the right direction there. Uh, well, if you're not getting criticism, you need to worry, Tanya. So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go that. if you're getting flack, then you are over the target. Um, you, you talked about politically and you talked about legally. Um, kind of when you sit back and, and look at this, it's maybe a, a wider question. Um, we we engage the, um, the tools of state, I guess, that are in front of us. Um, but this is also a big battle and those tools, those institutions are absolutely corrupt. And we've seen that simply through COVID. You could step back and see them in other areas, but we've simply seen how the state abuses its power and punishes people for being human beings. Um, and that's the that those are the tools of state. So how do you see kind of your work playing out? when you are engaging some of those levers, but the other side, you realize that they are absolutely corrupt. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. And one I don't ponder too long for, because one thing when I was praying about this and having to raise the money for a constitutional challenge, that's, you know, a significant amount of money. And I, you know, I, I, I really respect the people that are donating and I want to make the best possible choices and make the best possible use of the funds. And God just kept laying on my heart to pursue justice in the courts and that he would meet us there. And I trust that. And we have had judges in Canada who have actually uh, made good decisions and good rulings. And one, for example, was in Ontario with a mother who, like many parents, the ex-spouse, uh, you know, is, is persistent and insistent on getting the children jabbed with this experimental injection. 
And the uh, awake and aware parent is absolutely horrified at this and willing to go and do whatever is necessary to save their child. So this one mom, one mom had done that. And again, being maligned, viciously attacked by her ex-husband. And the judge not only made a decision to say that the mother had reason to be concerned, you know, about this injection, but that she was definitely a good parent. And then he went on to say things like, where have we come if we can't have a conversation in the courts, an exchange of ideas? And uh, there was much more to it. It's a while ago since I read it. So that was very promising. The three appeal court judges on behalf of Barry Newfeld was very promising. And I would think that the majority of judges in Canada are not in on this and that they're getting to the point where they're realizing what is at stake. They have children, they have grandchildren. They like living in Canada in freedom. They recognize what, you know, places like China look like. And so I think that as more people are becoming aware that they've been duped, I am hoping and praying that more of them will be willing to make a courageous and right decision and just uphold our rule of law and the constitution. It's as simple as that. That's all they need to do is honor their oath to the bench. And so we have way more doctors speaking up, way more medical staff speaking up, and uh, lawyers are finally coming out of the woodwork, although they're going to make some money on <laughs> on this, and that's maybe a motivator for them, I'm sad to say. I'd like to see it that they're in the war with us, um, you know, to, to defend their country. And now I'm hoping that judges are going to be next and start becoming more vocal about those decisions. Um, so, so that's my motivation. What we're also doing, as far as uh, the legal action is concerned, is David Lindsay is a is a ally of mine, is becoming a dear friend. I've been working with him a couple of years, and he's written one of the only books in Canada on uh, laying private information, which is criminal charges against another citizen. So if I was working and my boss was trying to uh, force me to take this injection with the threat that I would lose my, my job and my income, that's extortion and intimidation. Yeah. That's an indictable offense in Canada. And so, David, we have been uh, training Canadians on how to file these charges. And so our first cases started to go to the court in April. And wouldn't you know that those judges uh, adjourned them because they're probably sitting there going, OK, so this employee employee has proof that the employer has committed extortion and intimidation. There's no other words for this. And you've got your emails. We've uh, served the notice of liability to their employer. I've got something I call the drop the mic letter as well. And every every point I make in that letter, I call it the drop the mic because this should be the end of this conversation. Here's my rights. Here's my rights. Here's my rights. Back off. And they're deciding to uh, continue. So now we've got the evidence that, uh, you know, they've been served all the information to educate them on the fact that what they're doing is either causing harm or illegal. And if they uh, don't uh, uh, maintain the position of that employee, then they indeed have given us all the evidence. We've got recordings. And so now we're going before the courts and the courts are adjourning them uh, because one judge that claims and rules that an employer has committed extortion and intimidation, where's that going to leave our prime minister, yeah. right? Where is that going to leave the individuals, the premiers and the health officers who have been behind this uh, tragic situation? 
And, and so we're making progress there and we're going to keep pushing. And so the reason I'm, I'm explaining that to you is that when I was saying before about mobilizing people, that knowledge is power. And when you have it, you got to use it. And the government has relied on uh, everyday citizens, business owners being their minions, right? If the business owners turned around and said, I'm not going to mandate masks, or I'm definitely not going, I have no power to mandate a jab. What is the government's next step? Who are they going to bully next? Who are they going to threaten next? So we're holding personal liability and Canadians are supposed to be kind and loving and keep their head in the sand. So all of a sudden they're being presented with a document that's saying, you know what you're doing is illegal. And if I choose to use this document and go and press criminal charges against you, they don't want to gamble. And, and so that needle is being pushed back. Uh, there was RMA insurance in Alberta. We were serving mayors and city councils, our team throughout Alberta. And next thing you know, our RMA insurance, who I, I didn't even know who they were, they're maligning Action for Canada. And uh, so I look into it and they give, provide insurance for mayors and city councils. And in their contract, they would have to provide the uh, funds for their legal actions. And wow. so if people would just realize how powerful you as an individual are, but together we can, we're already taking back ground that the enemy's stolen. And we're going to be doing more of this as we continue to get more organized into every single community is our goal with our chapters. And I hope to be there in six months. Wow. Can, can I touch on, well, just one or two of the issues I want to touch on, but the, the whole, obviously, COVID tyranny, um, now that the fear has been ramped down a little bit, uh, I know in the UK there are now voices beginning to question what happened. Uh, they're still not as vocal and not as numerous as I thought they would be. Uh, what's the situation in Canada, because you've got an absolute dictator in Trudeau um, that went further than many other countries. Uh, have people kind of begun to wake up or is there political pressure going on him or has he washed his hands? What's the situation? No, uh, the opposition to Trudeau, especially in the last, I would say, six months is really growing. I mean, the man cannot go anywhere without a group of individuals outside, you know, calling him a dictator, telling him to go back to China. Uh, you know, is his father Fidel, <laughs> comparing him to his father Fidel and, you know, these type of things. Uh, the man is hated yeah. and, uh, you know, rightfully so. He said that he was going to finish what his father began. And it's hard to know which father he's talking about because yeah. <laughs> uh, Pierre, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, you know, was pushing communism into Canada. And yeah. we know what uh, Fidel Castro did to the citizens. Uh, you know, it's, it's so it, it's it's funny, but it's not funny because, you know, he is uh, a drama teacher and he's gotten into this position, but he has a lot of people coaching him and uh, supporting him. And when you've got George Soros involved in the like, uh, it doesn't bode well for a country when your leader is willing to go along with the plan. But in my opinion, my very strong opinion, I believe that Justin Trudeau is going to be the first prime minister removed from government. Uh, his his crimes are so evident. And uh, you, you talk about what the atmosphere is like in, in Canada, and it, it's bad. 
but we're beginning to gain a foothold where Canadians are beginning to wake up. And I think that not only with the COVID, because so many people are injured and dying, that it's hard for families to uh, reject it anymore. And then on the other side of it, he's been a huge uh, component as to why this radical trans LGBTQ agendas in Canada. And I don't know if you've heard how pervasive the pornographic books are. Um, every time I speak at an event on this issue, I always have a parent come up to me afterwards and say, my 12 year old girl, my 15 year old girl, whatever it may be, you know, is saying she's no longer a girl, but a boy. And so we're hitting this one very, very hard. But what it's doing as well is, as we uh, elevate awareness on this subject, it is elevating awareness to the people they've elected into office at all levels, whether municipal, provincial, and federal. And then many people are now becoming aware of Trudeau's stance on it and every single premier. And, and so as if, if, if people in countries can start to take on the other social issues that were collapsing, you know, your nation prior to COVID and start to now use that platform of the COVID followers you have to start bringing awareness to these things, they'll start to have a better understanding of the magnitude of the attack that we're up against. And that it was, it's not just the murder of people via COVID, it is the complete breakdown of the family unit. Within that, they're tearing families apart. Kids are, um, they, they, they strategically with the 45 goals of communism very many years ago, they wanted to get women out of the home, make them feel like lesser of a person because they didn't have a, a higher education. Uh, they weren't an executive. So it was very strategic, emasculate men and get a hold of your kids in, in the public facilities. And, and they, it was brilliant. But now that we see it, we, we really have to um, act swiftly. And so just in closing in one more, because I know I, I sometimes go on because there's so much involved even in one question. So the tyranny is there, but the other way that we're doing it as well is we're, we're really working on people pulling their children out of the public school system. We're working with churches and pastors saying, open up your doors during the week and give teachers and children a safe place to be. And so that's another side of action for Canada as well as what we're doing. But that's we haven't got to that stage. We've got to a pushback on certainly the T on that, on the trans stuff in schools and parents not being aware of what's happening. So we're having some pushback, um, but uh, maybe not as much as yours about a a clash between parents and the schools. We haven't got to to that stage. But can I just just finish off there? Are, just let me read. There are um, about ten issues on the website. There. Are, that you are raising awareness on abortion, climate change, COVID, secure food security, 5G tech, government corruption, drug legalization, political Islam, political LGBTQ, and UN global affairs. Um, and I think there are probably seven out of those 10 that we have certainly done uh, a lot on. Uh, there are a number that we haven't yet juggled with. But for you, I mean, it's a, a wide range of issues. Um, I guess for you personally, Tanya, is there a particular one that maybe when you're in the evening thinking over some of these issues that really hits home to you and really concerns you as maybe a big one? I would say there's two, and I would say they're pretty much equivalent, all right, because this is mass murder and mutilation. 
and one is the COVID experimental jab. Uh, right now there's a big campaign in Canada as well. Oh, you know, we got to get those kids boosted, uh, and for teachers, etc. But then there's also the Soji yeah. and it's just as lethal because kids, uh, you know, they're trying to convince parents and create fear in their hearts and minds that if they don't go along with this, that their child will commit suicide. And it's mm. completely the opposite. Once they've mutilated their bodies and sterilized them, we've got a big increase in children committing suicide but it's not it's not only that like uh, the desperation of a parent uh, in january a bill was passed bill c4 and if a parent does not support the gender dysphoria so now they've gone through the whole system they've indoctrinated the kids they've filled their heads in the school system that you can be a boy girl neither or anything in between and now if the parent if that child 12 years old comes home and says, I'm no longer a girl, I'm a boy, then they need to take them directly to a dysphoria clinic. If they try to bring them to a regular counsel to counselor to say, why did this happen? Yeah. That parent can face five years in prison. And we have parents who are being threatened with having their children taken away. The state is taking away children and then pumping them full of uh, hormone blockers. And uh, I'm gonna have a girl on my show next week and uh, she has had her breasts removed. She was one of the ones that got caught in this uh, uh, system in the schools, and now she's detransitioning. The week after that, I have a, a father coming on, and his son ended up having a friend, a girl of, who happens to be a girl, and she would go into the school bathroom, and a boy who claims to be trans would come in and look underneath the uh, stall. So she went to the principal seven times and complained. And the principal did nothing about it because he is being worried, more worried about being politically incorrect than protecting this girl from being sexually abused. And so the friend finally caught this boy, this other boy in the act and confronted him on the schoolyard. It didn't go as planned and he punched him in the nose. This was back in May. By the end of the month, the police arrest him, this young man that was standing up for this girl for a hate crime. All right. So you're talking about Christian attack. You're talking about morality. You're talking about what's our biggest fight right now. Our biggest fight right now is to get these pedophiles away from our children because that's what they are. This is an international grooming network that starts at the UN down to every member nation accepting this garbage and, and filling our kids' heads with this. And then it is them going after our children with this uh, deadly jab. So it's a hard toss up by the end of the day, what I'm thinking about. <laughs> it's a lot happening. And can I just encourage people, wherever you're watching, whichever country you're in, that I think what Tanya is doing with Action for Canada is a a model that you can take where you are. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe you're not ready to start something, but I think it starts with educating yourself. And certainly I'd encourage people to go to the website. I mean, tell us more about, because you've got the website, actionforcanada.com. You're obviously, uh, the videos are on, I know they're on Rumble, Action for Canada Inc. And all the links will be in the description for those watching and those listening. Um, but are you, do you do regular, you obviously do interviews elsewhere you do a lot and some of those videos are up on the website so how can people catch you regularly well we have a program on wednesday nights called the empower hour 
And every week I am very strategic in what I am doing. I know the government is watching me very closely. So I have an opportunity every Wednesday night uh, to send them a clear message of where we stand on these issues and what we're doing. And then uh, prior to that, if I have a guest coming on, I do a weekly email action. And so if you come to Action for Canada under join, you'll see um, the A4C Empower Hour. And then that will, uh, once you register, you're automatically registered. You have to do it weekly for the show that's on Wednesday night. And then under, under call to action, there are weekly emails. And the weekly emails will show you everything that we're addressing. And just so you know, like even though there's maybe 10 issues that um, I'm taking on right now, it doesn't mean I'm taking them all on at once. It is to raise public awareness to show them how the whole global agenda is working together. So whether it's food shortages and using climate change, using climate change to get you on digital ID, I'm trying to create a pattern so that people are educated and can see this big picture. And, uh, but the strategies are very much focused on where we can have the greatest impact against other citizens in order to get them to cease and desist their activity and assisting the government in destroying our democracy. Okay. Well, I think we'll finish it there. And for uh, obviously, Tanya said 7.30 Eastern time on Wednesdays. Um, For those of you in the UK, that will be half 12 on a Thursday morning. But you can catch it, of course. It's all there on the website. Go and make use. The videos are up there. Make use of the links. Sign up. Get educated. Find out what's happening over in Canada. And as the issues that Tanya has talked about are issues that we all face, whichever Mm -hmm. country you're watching, you will be facing some level of clash with the freedoms that we have been used to, I think, in the West and these totalitarian models, systems, regimes that try and enforce their way of life upon us. So make sure and go make use of that. 7.30 Eastern time on Wednesday. You can catch us in the UK the next day. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us an insight into what you're doing and also giving us a peep at what is happening there in Canada. So thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. It's just been an honour to be on the show with you today. Not all. I will we'll do it. We'll not leave it a whole year next time. We'll definitely do it sooner. So, I yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks so much. Let me just finish off for the viewers and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. I said this is a pre-record two days before. Um, so do pass the video one. It'll be on all the video platforms, including the ones usually not on live stream like BitChute and others. Um, and for those listen on the go on Podbean and any podcasting app. So thank you for tuning in to watch and to listen. I wish you all a wonderful rest of your day, however you're watching, wherever you're watching. And we look forward to seeing you on Saturday evening for our news review. So thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.